0: Conclusion of the Ten Commandments of the Large Catechism by Martin Luther Translated by F. Bente and W. H. T. Dow This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thus we have the Ten Commandments, a compend of divine doctrine as to what we are to do in order that our whole life may be pleasing to God, and the true fountain and channel from and in which everything must arise and flow that is to be a good work, so that outside of the Ten Commandments no work or thing can be good or pleasing to God, however great or precious it be in the eyes of the world. Let us see now what our great saints can boast of their spiritual orders, and their great and grievous works which they have invented and set up, while they let these pass, as though they were far too insignificant, or had long ago been perfectly fulfilled. I am of the opinion, indeed, that here one will find his hands full, and will have enough to do to observe these, namely, meekness, patience, and love towards enemies, chastity, kindness, and so forth, and what such virtues imply. But such works are not of value and make no display in the eyes of the world, for they are not peculiar and conceited works, and restricted to particular times, places, rites, and customs but are common every-day domestic works which one neighbour can practise toward another. Therefore they are not of high esteem. But the other works cause people to open their eyes and ears wide, and men aid to this effect by the great display, expense, and magnificent buildings with which they adorn them, so that everything shines and glitters. There they waft incense, they sing and ring bells, they light tapers and candles, so that nothing else can be seen or heard. For when a priest stands there in a surplice embroidered with gilt, or a layman continues all day upon his knees in church, that is regarded as a most precious work which no one can sufficiently praise. But when a poor girl tends a little child and faithfully does what she is told, that is considered nothing. For else what should monks and nuns seek in their cloisters? But see... Is not that accursed presumption of those desperate saints who dare to invent a higher and better life and estate than the Ten Commandments teach, pretending, as we have said, that this is an ordinary life for the common man, but that theirs is for saints and perfect ones? And the miserable blind people do not see that no man can get so far as to keep one of the Ten Commandments as it should be kept. But both the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer must come to our aid, as we shall hear, by which that power and strength to keep the commandments is sought and prayed for and received continually. Therefore all their boasting amounts to as much as if I boasted and said, To be sure, I have not a penny to make payment with, but I confidently undertake to pay ten florins. All this I say and urge, in order that men might become rid of the sad misuse which has taken such deep root and still cleaves to everybody, and in all estates upon earth become used to looking hither only, and to being concerned about these matters. For it will be a long time before they will produce a doctrine or estates equal to the Ten Commandments, because they are so high that no one can attain to them by human power. And whoever does attain to them is a heavenly, angelic man, far above all holiness of the world. Only occupy yourself with them, and try your best. Apply all power and ability, and you will find so much to do that you will neither seek nor esteem any other work or holiness. Let this be sufficient concerning the first part of the common Christian doctrine, both for teaching and urging what is necessary. In conclusion, however, we must repeat the text which belongs here, of which we have treated already in the first commandment, In order that we may learn what pains God requires, to the end we may learn to inculcate and practice the Ten Commandments. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Although, as we have said above, this appendix was primarily attached to the First Commandment, It was nevertheless, we cannot deny that it was, laid down for the sake of all the commandments, as all of them are to be referred and directed to it. Therefore I have said that this, too, should be presented to and inculcated upon the young, that they may learn and remember it, in order to see what is to urge and compel us to keep these Ten Commandments. And it is to be regarded as though this part were specially added to each so that it inheres in and pervades them all. Now, there is comprehended in these words, as said before, both an angry word of threatening and a friendly promise, to terrify and warn us, and, moreover, to induce and encourage us to receive and highly esteem his word as a matter of divine earnestness, because he himself declares how much he is concerned about it, and how rigidly he will enforce it, namely, that he will horribly and terribly punish all who despise and transgress his commandments, and again how richly he will reward, bless, and do all good to those who hold them in high esteem, and gladly do and live according to them. Thus he demands that all our works proceed from a heart which fears and regards God alone, and from such fear avoids everything that is contrary to his will, lest it should move him to wrath and, on the other hand, also trusts in Him alone, and from love to Him does all He wishes, because He speaks to us as friendly as a father, and offers us all grace and every good. Just this is also the meaning and true interpretation of the first and chief commandment, from which all the others must flow and proceed, so that this word, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, in its simplest meaning, states nothing else than this demand, Thou shalt fear, love, and trust in me as thine only true God. For where there is a heart thus disposed towards God, the same has fulfilled this and all the other commandments. On the other hand, whoever fears and loves anything else, in heaven and upon earth, will keep neither this nor any. Thus the entire scriptures have everywhere preached and inculcated this commandment, aiming always at these two things, fear of God and trust in Him. And especially the prophet David, throughout the Psalms, as when he says, Psalm 147, 11, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, and those that hope in His mercy. As if the entire commandment were explained by one verse, as much as to say, The Lord taketh pleasure in those who have no other gods. Thus the first commandment is to shine and impart its splendor to all the others. Therefore you must let this declaration run through all the commandments, like a hoop in a wreath joining the end to the beginning and holding them all together, that it be continually repeated and not forgotten, as, namely, in the second commandment, that we fear God and do not take His name in vain for cursing, lying, deceiving, and other modes of leading men astray, or rascality, but make proper and good use of it by calling upon Him in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving, derived from love and trust according to the first commandment. In like manner, such fear, love, and trust is to urge and force us not to despise His word, but gladly to learn, hear, and esteem it holy and honor it. Thus continuing through all the following commandments towards our neighbor likewise. Everything is to proceed by virtue of the first commandment, to wit that we honor father and mother, masters and all in authority, and be subject and obedient to them, not on their own account, but for God's sake. For you are not to regard or fear father or mother, or from love of them do or omit anything. But see to that which God would have you do, and which he will quite surely demand of you. If you omit that, you have an angry judge, but, in the contrary case, a gracious father. Again, that you do your neighbour no harm, injury, or violence, nor in any wise encroach upon him as touching his body, wife, property, honour, or rights, as all these things are commanded in their order, even though you have opportunity and cause to do so, and no man would reprove you, but that you do good to all men, help them, and promote their interest, howsoever and wherever you can, purely from love of God, and in order to please Him, in the confidence that He will abundantly reward you for everything. Thus you see how the first commandment is the chief source and fountainhead which flows into all the rest, and again all return to that and depend upon it, so that beginning and end, are fastened and bound to each other. This, I say, it is profitable and necessary always to teach to the young people, to admonish them, and to remind them of it, that they may be brought up not only with blows and compulsion, like cattle, but in the fear and reverence of God. For where this is considered and laid to heart, that these things are not human trifles, but the commandment of the Divine Majesty, who insists upon them in such earnestness is angry with and punishes those who despise them, and, on the other hand, abundantly rewards those who keep them. There will be a spontaneous impulse, and a desire gladly to do the will of God. Therefore it is not in vain that it is commanded in the Old Testament to write the Ten Commandments on all walls and corners, yes, even on the garments, not for the sake of merely having them written in these places, and making a show of them as did the Jews, but that we might have our eyes constantly fixed upon them, and have them always in our memory, and that we might practice them in all our actions and ways, and every one make them his daily exercise in all cases, in every business and transaction, as though they were written in every place wherever he would look, yea, wherever he walks or stands. Thus there would be occasion enough, both at home in our own house, and abroad with our neighbors to practice the Ten Commandments, that no one need run far for them. From this it again appears how highly these Ten Commandments are to be exalted and extolled above all estates, commandments, and works which are taught and practiced aside from them. For here we can boast and say, Let all the wise and saints step forth and produce, if they can, a single work like these commandments, upon which God insists with such earnestness, and which He enjoins with His greatest wrath and punishment, and, besides, adds such glorious promises that He will pour out upon us all good things and blessings. Therefore they should be taught above all others, and be esteemed precious and dear, as the highest treasure given by God. End of the Conclusion of the Ten Commandments